Money FM 89.3. Best of breakfast. The bigger picture, only on Money FM 89.3. Good morning. This is The Bigger Picture with me, Ahmad Akhtar. Stocks ticked higher yesterday after traders awaited the release of new U.S. consumer inflation numbers and Treasury yields continued to retreat. The Dow Jones was higher by 0.2% to close at over 33,800 points. The S&P 500 gained 0.4% to end at 4,377, while the Nasdaq added 0.7% to land at 13,660 and close above its 50-day moving average of first since mid-September. Now, the Golden Week holiday is traditionally a peak period for new home sales in China. Developers typically offer promotions and release new properties onto the market. But according to a recent survey, China's average daily home sales during this period were down about 17% compared with last year. This is despite a series of support measures to restore confidence in an ailing property market. So is there an end in sight for China's property woes. Well, joining me on the line to discuss this further is Shane Oliver. He's the chief economist and head of investment strategy at AMP Capital. Shane, thanks for joining me today. Good morning. Hope you're well. Hope you're well too. Shane, data has shown that new home sales rose above 60% in tier one cities, but average daily home sales in tier three and four cities fell about 50% during the Golden Week holiday period compared with last year. Why would you say the sales numbers are so incongruent across the country? Look, I I think it reflects the difficult nature of the Chinese property market and also the disparate economic conditions across China. Mm. Uh, Tier 1 cities may be doing somewhat better. Uh, People in those cities may be feeling a bit more confident, where there's not so much confidence in the other cities. And of course, there's also been different speeds and different degree of rollouts in terms of those stimulus measures. But the overall picture is still one of softness. And Mm. that does lead to some worries that the sort of mostly monetary easing that we've been seeing Mm. is a bit like pushing on a string. It's not necessarily going to get people to come back into the property market just because you're lowering interest rates and making it easier to get a loan. Mm. Yeah, you did talk about monetary easing. The Chinese authorities have rolled out some measures, including lower mortgage down payments and interest rates to try and ease the slump. Are we expecting more support measures to come through? I think we probably will see more. The Chinese authorities have adopted a very much gradualist approach in contrast to the past. Uh, for fear that they they might over-egg things and end up with a reigniting a bubble or an explosion in debt levels. But by the same token, that does run a risk that you know, the downturn persists for longer. So I think we probably will see some more. There was some talk in the past week of more stimulus for the overall Chinese economy generally, but that's yet to be formally announced. Mm. It does sound quite large, but it's more focused on infrastructure spending, not necessarily in relation to the property market. I think the big problem in relation to property is that for so long now, it's been a means by which the Chinese authorities have used to sort of reinvigorate the Chinese economy through downturns. And for now, it may have run its course and all these issues uh, regarding Evergrande and Country Garden and so on, Mm. you really need to be resolved in a fundamental sense and people don't have the same degree of optimism about Chinese property prices they did in the past. Therefore, you've got to find other ways to try and stimulate the economy. Mm. Yeah, you talked about Country Garden there, which has become a symbol of China's broader property debt crisis. Yesterday, the company 
offered an indication that it's set for a maiden default and debt restructuring. Shane, what kind of impact could this have on the sector? Well, obviously, when we hear those sort of things, we yeah. think negative. We have negative thoughts. Um, but of course, China is not necessarily like many other countries. Mm. It's very much a regulated or planned economy. The authorities are not going to allow a situation where Country Garden or let alone Evergrande unravels in a way that disrupts the broader economy. Mm. Uh, so I think it will be a managed um, collapse, if you want to call it that, which limits the flow-on effects to other parts of the economy. But mm. there's also a question marks as to whether that will work or not. It means that the unravelling of the property boom could take longer because it takes a while to unravel these companies. You end up with more zombie companies for a long time, companies that are getting propped up but arguably should have fallen over. So therefore, it will take longer, perhaps, for the bottom to be reached until a, a full clean-out occurs. So that's the risk. But I think the flow on to the broader economy in the meantime uh, will be somewhat managed. And that's why it's possible to sort of say, well, some of the up-broader indicators for Chinese growth look to be bottoming out rather than continuing to collapse. Mm. Now, the crisis has caught the attention of the IMF, specifically its chief economist, who yesterday said that the country's woes require a, quote, forceful response by officials there to restore confidence. He went further saying that the Beijing officials must make sure that this crisis remains localized in the real estate market and doesn't spread out into the broader financial system. What are the potential ramifications if there's a leakage out into the wider global markets? Well, obviously, there's a ramification in China if it leaks out. Mm. You know, often when there's a property collapse, it causes banks to lose money and they stop lending so much, which then has a broader impact on the economy. Perhaps that's not as big an issue in China, given that the banks are... Uh, state-controlled. The broader ramification globally is that if Chinese growth remains depressed, mm. uh, then it can threaten the global outlook. So it's noteworthy that uh, in the last week, the IMF released their latest economic forecasts globally, and they were little change. You know, looking at global growth this year at 3%. Um, China was revised down, though, and that reflects, I guess, revisions earlier. But China is a key threat here if you're looking for risks around the world. You know, obviously, Israel, uh, widening the conflict in Israel is one of them, but a uh, continuing downturn in the Chinese economy is another one. And the biggest single threat coming out of China is the property market. So that's why it's so important that... Mm the problems be contained to the property market, if they spread to the wider Chinese economy, then that will have a direct negative impact on global growth. Mm. As you rightly said, the IMF cut its growth forecast for China for this year to 5% from 5.2%. Now, tomorrow is a big data release day for China. Inflation and PPI numbers set to be revealed. Shane, what are you expecting on that front? Well, it looks like we're probably going to see a bit of a rise in uh, inflation. I think the, la the last most recent number for August was 0.1%. This is CPI. It'll probably rise to 0.2%. Mm. Still very, very low. And I, I mean, my preferred indicator in Chinese inflation is, is the core rate, inflation expert in energy. And it's probably also going to stay fairly low. I think it's running around 1.5% or so. Uh, producer price inflation, which has been deflation lately, will... We'll, probably moderate a little bit, but we still expect that to remain around 2.5%. In other words, producer prices will be down 2.5% on a year ago. So the overall inflation backdrop in China remains very, very low, which is important in a way because it tells us that there's plenty of scope for the Chinese authorities to provide stimulus without having to worry about inflation. 
Mm. Whereas that's not so much the case when you look at many other countries where inflation is more of an issue, but certainly not in China. But it's also indicative of the weak, weakness in the Chinese economy, that it has spare capacity, that it has excess savings, uh, and it still remains a somewhat deflation-prone economy, which is something the economies have to guard against because the worst possible thing for property is deflation Mm. um, because it can lead to a downward spiral. All right. I'm sure investors will keep their eyes firmly peeled on those economic indicators. China's inflation and PPI numbers, of course, out tomorrow. Shane, thanks so much for joining me this morning. My pleasure. Thank you. Thank you. We've been speaking with Shane Oliver, who's the Chief Economist and Head of Investment Strategy at AMP Capital. Stay with Money FM 89.3. Before acting on the information on Money FM, please consider if it's suitable for your own investment objectives, financial situation, and risk tolerance. To listen to more great interviews, download our podcasts at audio.sg or download the audio app. That's A W E D I O, audio at the App Store and Google Play.